0: And again, we are in a series called Live Long and Prosper. This is our third week in this series. If you haven't been here the last two weeks or you missed one of those weeks, I encourage you, you can always go to our website and, and watch the messages. We are learning about finances, and, and we've been looking over the last two weeks. First off, God's desire for us. He wants to bless us. He wants us to prosper. Amen? And we're going to continue with this series, so open your heart up to God's word, and let's welcome our lead pastor, Joe Source. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Pastor Matt. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to see so many of you here this morning. Um, this is an important series. I mean, every series, you know, we always get up and say this is an important series. When you say this is an important series, it's important because of the season of time that we're in right now. Um, in 26 years, obviously, I've taught on the topic of finances before, but I'm going to be really 100% transparent with you. I have never taught this subject from this angle and spending as much time on the very basics. And I I think the reason for that is that this is something that is a foundational belief, or should be, a very secure, very stable, very 100% on target in our lives foundational belief, because there's no use <clears throat> of you and I knowing about the promises of God if you're not totally convinced of the goodness of God. You know, if you're not, if you're still in that place where you think that, well, I got in a car accident or had this sickness or uh, I had this financial loss or uh, whatever, whatever tragedy you may have endured, if you're still in that place of thinking, well, why did God send this to me? <clears throat> you need to pay attention to this series. Because one of the greatest tactics that the enemy of your soul uses against every single one of us is to try to get us to attribute what he's doing in our lives to God our Father. And you'll hear people say, when they go through tremendous cataclysmic events in life, I don't know why God allowed this to happen to me. We live on a planet that's cursed, don't you understand that? We We still have an enemy of our souls. Yes, we've been redeemed in our spirits, but we still have an enemy who hates mankind that is free to roam about on this earth, seeking whom he may devour. Understand that, because if you don't get that, and if you're one of those people that thinks that everything that comes to you in life comes from God, you're gonna have problems, because you're not grasping the reality, (coughs) excuse me, you're not grasping the reality that you have an adversary. Now, I take comfort in this one statement that Jesus made. Of course, he made other statements, but this one statement that he made pertaining to what we're talking about here, he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. He didn't say that there wasn't going to be opportunities for the gates of hell. We're talking about the gates of hell. It's talking about in those days, in ancient times, the rulers of the city or the administrators of a city sat in the city gates. In other words, the town hall was right there. You had to pass through the town hall to get to the village or the city. So he's saying that the headquarters of hell, the place where decisions are made in the kingdom of darkness, can never prevail against the church. Okay, so we have that. Jesus did not lie. He told us the truth. Now, what is the goal for this? Because Pastor Matt mentioned that this is a series on finances, yet if you listen to now, we're in week number three now, I believe. Week number three, I have yet to really talk about finances uh, because there's no use me talking about finances if we don't get these foundational issues settled, okay? Number one, God is good. Amen. And the plan he has for your life is for good. Amen. Stop thinking, because I know there's some people that entertain, well, um, God must have some really big plans for my life because he's really putting me through. No, that's the enemy trying to get you to abandon the plan of God for your life. Okay? I know that we go through things in life. Anybody in here ever been through any adversity in life? Just... (laughs) We know that happens. But stop making God the cause. JESUS TOLD US WHERE THEY ORIGINATE FROM. HE SAID, IT'S RECORDED FOR US IN THE GOSPEL OF JOHN, CHAPTER 10, VERSE 10. MANY OF YOU COULD SAY THIS. You've, you've, YOU'VE MEMORIZED THIS FOR YEARS. JESUS SAID, THE THIEF COMES ONLY TO ROB, KILL, AND DESTROY. HE SAID, I HAVE COME THAT THEY MAY HAVE LIFE AND HAVE IT MORE ABUNDANTLY. SO, you crash your car. Somebody vandalizes it during the night. You somebody somebody uh, commits uh, identity fraud, wipes out your account. Does that bring life to you, or is that rob, killing, and destroying? So where does it come from? So then why do you, in your mind, entertain? Well, God let this happen to me because I'm sure He had a lesson to teach me. Are you that dense? that he can't teach you through the word, that he's got to teach you through some kind of tragedy. Now, be careful of that line of thinking. I mean, this is a little bit different here. I didn't cover this in the first service. Be careful of that line of thinking that, oh, you don't know, Pastor, crazy things happen in my life, and it usually follows with this, because God must have some special place for me. Do you hear yourself? <laughs> Who do you think you are? Now, this might seem shocking to some of you that I'm talking this way, but I'm trying to shake some people out of reality. That is completely rooted in pride. Look, you're so special that God has a special set of attacks designed just for you. Because after all, there's nobody else in the kingdom like you, you're like, it's you know, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, John the Baptist, and you. Be careful that line of thinking, because the enemy looks for those that he may devour. And pride and arrogance and haughtiness and things of that nature are like, like the Batman beam, like that thing in the sky. Yeah. What do you call that? The bat-, the, bat- the bat. You know what I'm talking about. Now, you're sending one of those signals to the devil, like, here, come on, attack me more, attack me more, attack me more. And then we have the audacity to say, I don't know how God's doing this to me. No, 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 it ain't God. It's the devil, but you sent up a flare and said, here I am, I'm full of myself. I think who the heck I am. I think there's nobody else like me in the whole kingdom of God, and therefore I'm the one that's, tra- that's getting attacked like this. Stop thinking that way. You're causing it. You're, it's like putting honey out in the middle of summer and then wondering why the mosquitoes are all over you. You getting this? Yes. Now, let's put that aside. I got that out of my system. So, here's what I want to work on today. Now, this is going to be a lot of review. For you that were here last weekend, it's going to be a lot of review because I don't feel like, I don't remember in what service I really got to complete all my notes, to be honest with you, be completely transparent here. And I don't feel like I nailed it. You know, if you've ever been in a position I'm in or uh, the opportunity to teach or something, you know when you nailed it and you know when you didn't. And I feel like last weekend, I didn't make, I didn't hit the goal. So I'm going to ask you for some patience. I'm going to ask you for some grace and mercy and all that other stuff. And if you did hear what I said last week, it's fine. You probably forgot about it anyway, so it'd be good for you to hear it. Here's where I wanna to go today. We're gonna to spend a lot of time talking about Abram. Say Abram. Abram. Also known as? Abraham. Now, he was not born Abraham. He was born, if you saw his certificate, birth certificate, like I said this morning, I almost said gift certificate. If you saw his birth certificate, it would have said Abram, Abram, okay? He became Abraham through a series of events. And I want you to understand this because there's a process that you and I are called to. And it's a process that involves us in our relationship with God. We all start out in a certain relationship when we first meet Him. When He first draws us to Himself, we have a relationship, we begin to have a relationship. I want to say it that way more. I want you to get it that way. We begin to have a relationship with God. Now, as far as our eternal security, once a person is born again, once a person has has received Christ, or we can put it this way, once a person has declared their faith in Jesus Christ, you're sealed for eternity. I want you to get that deep down in your heart, okay? Your spirit, say spirit. Spirit. Your spirit is saved now. Is perfected in Christ Jesus. I'm saved. 39 years. I am no more saved now than I was on April the 25th, 1984, 9:30 at night on a Wednesday. Okay. When I made that declaration of faith, my spirit was as perfected as it's ever going to be. Thank God. Okay. But now I've got a soul to deal with, because you and I remember are tripart in nature. You remember that God said in Genesis chapter, twenty? excuse me, Genesis chapter one, and uh, Genesis chapter two, we see that we see God making his statement there. Let us, you know, God's not multiple personalities, okay? Because that's the Trinity speaking, okay? God said, let us make man in our image, okay? Now, oh Lord Jesus, how do I do this? Uh, okay, so, we're going to be dealing with a lot of precedent-setting events that took place in scripture and the very first precedent-setting event is in genesis chapter 1 verse 1 could everybody say it together with me in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth so what is the very first revelation of god he is a creator okay now in our english bible it says in the beginning god but in hebrew it says in the beginning elohim now whenever you see an i am on the end of a hebrew word it is plural you catching this so in the beginning elohim created the heavens and the earth it's a plural word god the father So first precedent setting, that God exists in the triune nature, the Trinity, okay? They say, well, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. I know that, but the principle is there. And he, so the very first time God reveals himself, he reveals himself as triune nature and creator. You got that? Yes. Now, you are a spirit, you possess a soul, and they live in a body, triune nature. You got this? When you and I got born again, our spirit got born again. Our soul, I put it this way, if you were a jerk before you got born again, most likely you're still gonna be a jerk until your soul... Is that too... you You understand what I'm saying? Okay. In other words, what I'm saying is your soul did not transform overnight. Your spirit came alive unto God. But now we got a soul to deal with. And that soul has to go through a progression of development that lasts from the moment you said, Jesus, I believe in you, come into my heart, you're my Lord, you're my Savior, till (sighs) you take your last breath. You and I are in that progression. You and I are in that process of transformation. And it is progressive. Our relationship is progressive with God. For instance, your relationship, I I don't know when you got born again. And for those of you that did not, you'll have the opportunity before we leave today. When, from, from the moment that you got born again, the progression started, okay? Now, when you got born again, whenever that was, your relationship right now at 1141 and 37, 38, 39 seconds, at that point, your relationship right now should be stronger and closer and more intimate than it was the first time you said, Jesus come into my life. Yes or no? Yes. Now, I understand you go through seasons. Pastor, right now I'm in a season. I feel stagnant. I feel backslidden. I feel, that's fine. You're feeling that. God hasn't changed on his end. Amen. There should have been a bigger amen than that. Amen. See, because he doesn't respond to your moods and my moods. He doesn't go, oh, oh we're off today? Okay, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> on his end, you're always his child. He always loves you. He's always compassionate. He's always full of grace, full of mercy, uh, always ready to forgive. You understand what I'm saying? It's on our end that we go, oh, I just don't feel it today. I have no feeling today. I have no feeling today. Stop going by feelings. Okay? There's going to be days you wake up and go, I don't even know if I'm going to heaven. Okay? Because they're feelings. That's why that song was so popular. Yeah. Feelings, nothing more than feelings. <laughs> <clears throat> Stop living your life according to. Forget that song, okay? I'm sorry I mentioned it, because now some of you, the whole service, are gonna have that song going off your head. But you understand what I'm saying? So this is what I want us to understand, and then we're gonna jump into the scriptures, okay? Now listen to me closely, please. There's a point that we need to get to. And that point, as my responsibility as pastor over this church, whether it's Bayville, whether it's Wall, whether it's Brick, I have responsibility before the Lord. Okay, and this is what I want to accomplish here. Okay, and I, and I believe with all my heart that I got the Holy Ghost on my side here. Okay, Amen. I believe that he's led me to go into this uh, because I'm being blessed by this teaching. I'm seeing stuff by, by teaching, by preparing for this series that I've never seen before in 39 years. So, that you know, you're on target when that happens and you know that it's a mutual blessing. Not only is the congregation blessed, but I'm getting blessed too, okay? Now, <laughs> here's where we need to get to every member, every person, no matter where they are, whether they're here today, whether they attend once every six months, or whether they attend weekly, every person that calls New Beginnings Church their home, I want to see so solid in this area of live long and prosper. We are facing unprecedented times as the human race, not just in this nation, not just in our society. This planet is facing unprecedented times. For you to keep your head in the sand that's between you and God, I don't have that luxury. My responsibility is to prepare this this congregation, this flock. My responsibility is to feed, to get to the point where every sheep, every lamb, every child, every senior, every person individually has gotten to the place where they are so strong in their trust in God so strong and settled forever in our hearts that he is good and that the plans he has for us are for good and that he wants us to prosper. Now listen to me. Do not let that word stumble you. There's so many people, when you say that word prosper, immediately they think about money. Listen, we're living in America. I don't care how bad it is. This still, still, as bad as it is, As bad as your experience might have been, this is the easiest place on the planet to make money. Money, say this with me, money Money. is not an issue for me. And some of you went, you choked on that one. (laughs) Because you're thinking to yourself, yeah, you don't know what bills I have home. Listen, let's make this declaration because it's in line with the word of God who has promised us already that he's going to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Say this with me. Money is not an issue for me. God is capable of just like this in your life. That's not the issue. It's not on his end. This, This is the issue. Are you at the place where you can handle resources? Because we all know people that the worst thing that could ever happen to them is for them to have a few bucks in their pocket. Do you know what I'm talking about? So... IF WE'RE GOING TO BE READY IN PLACE SO THAT WHEN THE WHOLE WORLD FALLS TO PIECES AND IT'S HAPPENING ALREADY, YOUR FAMILY MEMBERS, YOUR NEIGHBORS, THEY'RE GOING TO BE LOOKING FOR SOMEBODY FOR RELIEF. THEY'RE GOING TO BE LOOKING at for SOMEBODY for LIKE, PLEASE HELP ME NOT LOSE MY MIND HERE. PLEASE, WHAT'S GOING ON IN YOUR LIFE? I SEE EVERYTHING FALLING APART, BUT I SEE YOU'RE STILL STANDING. Yeah. I SEE CALAMITY HAPPENING, BUT I SEE YOU'RE STILL, YOU'RE STILL GOT YOUR THING, you got, YOU'RE TOGETHER. You and What do you think you're here for? What do you think we're here for? God could have just taken us to heaven as soon as we said, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. Bam, translate it to heaven out of here. He left us here because there are other people to to impact just like somebody impacted your life and that's why you're sitting here. It is the goodness of God. He's not your enemy. He's not our enemy. He's not up there. He's not this this wacko that sits up there and goes, hey, hey, do you want this? Do you want this? Psych." Yet so many people had that religious idea about God. He's committed himself to us already. Now, here's I gotta move. The time, the clock keeps ticking away. You guys keep having me in this review mode, okay? (laughs) Listen to me. I want us to see in Abram's life a pattern. And it's not just for Abram. Because Abraham is the father of faith, right? And Galatians tells us that we who have put our faith and our trust in Christ, we are now spiritual heirs along with Abraham, okay? Now, for this time being, I want you to forget the name Abraham. He's not there yet. And here's the point I want to make, and I want you to get this, and then we'll, we'll go into the word. We qualify. Now, do not mix salvation up with what I'm gonna say. Salvation is completely by grace, by the grace of God, and we receive it by faith. There is nothing that you can earn. We don't qualify for salvation. Salvation is a free gift that comes from the Father. All we need to do is say yes. Now, salvation is secure, right? Yes. Let's put that aside. I'm not talking about salvation now. I'm talking about the quality of life and the usefulness that your life will, will stand for if you allow God to take you from step to step to step, to bring you from an introductory relationship with God to a very functional partnership with God. Because ultimately, we are called to, in the New Testament times that we live in right now, we are called to be co-laborers with Christ, working together with God our Father. Watch this now. Our covenant partner, we have responsibilities in this kingdom, Amen. okay? I pray, Father, help me to, to convey this today in such a clear way that every single person gets it. Let's start out in Genesis chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Now, if you were here last weekend, I know I went to the same scriptures, but I really want to nail this down because I don't feel like we can move into the rest of the series if this isn't nailed down. Say these three words and be nice and loud real quick right now. After these things, stop. Now, ask yourself the question, after what things? Go ahead and say it. After what things? Stop. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, I am your shield, I am your exceedingly great reward. That means nothing to us until we find out what those first three words are talking about. Say it again, after these things. What things? Now, let me go over it with you. I'm gonna have to paraphrase this for the sake of time. Genesis chapter 12. God speaks to Abram and says to him, I want you to leave your country, I want you to leave your family, I want you to leave everything that's familiar with you. And I want you to come to a place that I'm gonna show you, okay? Abram couldn't go online. Let me go check this place out. He couldn't call for travel brochures. He couldn't do any of that stuff. He's got to go completely on faith. faith. So, Genesis chapter 12, God introduces himself to Abram. And it's very interesting, if you go read this in the original language, and our Bible is so limited, because it'll just say God, or the Lord. But then when you go look it up in Hebrew, it could be a completely different name that's used in that particular scripture that's not used anyplace else. And if you study this out, when God introduced himself to Abram, when he's still in or the Chaldees, modern-day Kuwait, southern Iraq, okay? He introduces himself as El Shaddai, the all-breasty, all-nourishing God, which gives us a hint of what revelation now he's given of himself to Abram. He's telling him, I'm the supplier. I'm the, the source of all nourishment. I am the source of all life. So this is Abram's first introduction to this God, because he comes from an area where they're still worshiping the moon gods at this point, okay? Abram gets pulled out of that, he obeys, he picks up, gets rid of everything, and goes to Canaan land. Yes or no? So he's qualified now to receive these blessings of chapter 12. I'm going to make you rich, I'm going to make you great, I'm going to make your name great. All the families of the earth are going to be blessed through you. So now now Abram's got the Genesis chapter 12 relationship with God. Okay? Remember that. That category. What kind of relationship does he have to begin with? Genesis chapter 12. The initial relationship. And this is good. This is good. But you don't see a lot of conversation going on between him and God. Now, you get to chapter 13, chapter 14, the progression begins. Now, Abram prospers so much And he brought his, well, he didn't bring. I really don't think he brought his nephew with him. I think his nephew sat in the corner and cried and went, I wanna come with you. (laughs) And so he ends up bringing Lot with him, which turns out to be a lot of problems, okay? So now, Abram and Lot are both shepherds. They both have flocks. They both have employees. They both have built up their own dynasty, okay? And at one point, they're both prospering so much that Lot's employees and Abram's employees are starting to fight. And so Abram comes to his nephew and goes, Hey, look, this isn't working anymore. We're too many, we're too prosperous, there's not enough enough pasture land for our flocks. You go one way, I'll go the other way. So the Bible tells us that Abram picks the higher ground as far as a moral higher ground, and he says to his nephew, if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And of course, Lot picks the better land, but it's near Sodom. So he goes that way and prospers a little bit, and you know the rest of the story, how he ends up. Abram goes to where the land wasn't as great, but God blessed him because of his heart motive, his heart situation, and uh, Abram becomes more and more wealthy. Now, at some point in time, Abram hears that his nephew Lot, who's mixed up with the wrong people, has been captured together with his wife and all of his goods and his children and everything else by this confederation of five kings. Abram gets his servants together, 318, the Bible tells us specifically what the number is, 318 trained servants, and he arms them, and they go after and defeat the armies of these five kings, rescues his nephew, rescues his family, gets all the wealth, not only that Lot had, but also he gets all the wealth that all the five kings had, okay? And now he's on his way back home and he's got to pass by a tiny little village called Salem, which eventually becomes Jerusalem, okay? And in that city, there is a man there. Now, we're not told his name, we're told his title, And you would refer to him as Melchizedek. But Melchizedek is not a name. Melchizedek is a few different Hebrew words put together. Melach is the word for king in Hebrew. Zedek is the name for righteousness. And he's called the king of Salem, the king of righteousness. Now, some people think that this is Jesus pre-Bethlehem, pre-being born into Bethlehem. Other people think that this might be one of Noah's sons or grandsons. But it's somebody special, and he's he's the job. His responsibility is he is a priest of the Lord God Most High, El Yan, the Most High God. So we know this guy's connected to God somehow. Now, Abram is passing by <clears throat> this area, and he is not going to just pass by and not pay honor and respect to this representative of God. Are you getting this? Okay. And so he stops by and he gives to Melchizedek one-tenth of all the stuff that he just won in this war. 10%. Melchizedek blesses him, he blesses Melchizedek, Melchizedek comes out with bread and wine, does that sound familiar? Okay, and blesses Abram, and calls him Abram of God Most High. What's happening? The relationship between Abram and God just got an upgrade. You listening? That's chapter 14. Now you found out what those three words mean in chapter 15, verse 1. And after these things, what things? The The way Abram conducted himself. The way he didn't choose the really great part of the land, he let his nephew have the great part of the land, yet he still prospered. The way that he went by faith, and with only 318 soldiers, defeated an army much bigger than his own. Why? Because he trusted God. Then he stops by Salem, modern-day Yerushalayim, and what does he do? He takes 10, the first 10, the first 10, the first 10% of what he has gained through this battle, and he honors Melech Zedek, the king of righteousness, with his goods. It's all about honor. Would you say that with me, please? It's all about honor. Say the word honor. honor. Say it a couple more times. Honor. honor. Say it again. Honor. Why? Because that word has become so diminished in our society and especially in the church. I remember probably 20, well, more than that, probably 30 something years ago, uh, there was a gentleman who was traveling around from church to church that used to be in the mafia, pretty high up. God saved him, God got him out of their lifestyle. I went to the church up in North Jersey to listen to him, and this is the statement he made. He said, It's sad to say that there's more honor in the mafia than there is in the church and he's right we have forgotten the principle of honor and that's why some of us have not prospered in our lives because god honors comma honor he honors that think about david's life david would have been completely justified of destroying Saul. he's got a crazy father-in-law on his hands that's worse than a crazy mother-in-law And Saul's got it in his head that David is his enemy and he chases him for 15 years. Yet David would not lift his finger against Saul because of honor. honor. Now, he wasn't honoring the man, he was honoring the position that God placed him in. And let me tell you something, if you haven't learned this lesson yet, might as well start learning today. God will honor you even when you have to put up with garbage from certain people because of that principle of honor. And usually, you'll always have somebody like that in your life that you're gonna have to overcome that desire in your heart to strike them and go for their jugular vein. <laughs> Are you listening to me? Is this too real? All right, so now watch. Now, now, watch. Abram, in this very first Verse of chapter 15 is, has now gone from, look at, look at, look at. He's gone from the Genesis chapter 12 experience with God. That, that relationship is there, but it's limited. Now, God has watched Abram go through chapter 13, chapter 14, and now he qualifies for 15. And look what God's going to say here. Do not be afraid. After these things, what things? 12, 13, 14, and now 15. After these chapters, after this life event, after this life experience, Abram has qualified now for an even better upgrade than he had before. You understand? Try to use terms that you can relate to, all right? Uh, Go back to that. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. So he's not only hearing things, he's seeing it, saying God saying to Abram, do not be afraid. Now, why would he say do not be afraid unless there was something that Abram could have possibly be afraid of? Why? Because he's just defeated five kings. Okay, they didn't disappear. There's a good possibility they could turn around, regroup, and come back after him. But what does God say? Do not be what? Afraid, Abram. Say this with me. I am your shield. What is does a shield used for? Protection. Protection. Excuse me, let me just take a sip here. <clears throat> I am your shield. That's wonderful. I'm your protection, okay? But watch what he says next. And your exceedingly great reward. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that without faith it's impossible to please God. Because those that come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently 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 seek him okay well where did that come from right here god says to abram here's what he's telling him i know most of you probably know this but for the sake of those who might be hearing it for the first time god's saying to him buddy you work for me now i'm your shield i'm going to protect you but i'm also going to provide for you you are now at this point genesis 15:1 relationship that abram has with god Abram has become an employee of God. God is his paymaster. His reward, his provision, his protection, his livelihood, his his, everything about him, now is God's responsibility. Now, watch what happens, because now it doesn't stop here. But Abram has qualified for this position up until this point. You see, please Get this thing out of your head, and I hope to I wasn't raised in this philosophy, but I know some of you may have been subject to it. You don't sit in life and go, God's sovereign, whatever he wants. Well, what happened to other people that are going to hell? Was that his desire for people to go to hell? No. Is it God's desire for people to go to hell? No. Well, I'm just, I, you know, I shouldn't have to do anything, because if God wants me to have it, I'll have it. Then why would he give us all these promises? Why would he say, well, if you do this, I'll do that? Right. If we're not supposed to cooperate with him, then why, why do we have this? Why are we even educated in this area? You see, because what God did with Abram is he gave him an offer. When he first came on the scene in Abram's life, what did he say to him? I want you to leave your land, I want you to leave your, t- your country, I want you to leave your family, I want you to leave everything you're familiar with. What was that? That was an offer. God didn't take him without asking Abram's permission to go, shoot, here you are, Boom. Yet some of you, the devil has convinced you, you don't have to have faith. You don't have to speak the word. You don't have to trust God. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. Uh, because, you know, God is sovereign. Yes, he is sovereign. And in his sovereignty, he has created created these perimeters for us to exist in. And when we operate in those principles, we prosper. Amen. You are a co-laborer. It doesn't say when you got born again that you became the leech of God, the mooch of God get it in your head because subconsciously this affects people and they go i don't really have to pray if god wants me to have it i don't have to have any faith if god wants me to have it all right next verse so now remember watch this now Abram now, because the relationship has gotten closer, Abram is, a, is able, oh, this is so good. He's able to talk to God about things that he was not able to in Genesis chapter 12. Why? The relationship was not at that point yet. Are you getting this? Yes. This stuff is good. All right, watch this now. So now Abram now, he's, God has drawn him closer. And Abram's like, okay, now let me tell you what's on my heart, Okay. Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Eleazar of where? He's not even a Jew. He's going, I got all this stuff, but who am I going to leave it to? You blessed me. You prospered me. I got flocks I can't even count, but I got nobody to leave it to. The guy that's in charge of my house isn't even a Jew. He's from Damascus. He's a Syrian. Are you getting this? Is Abram... Is it valid, yeah. these concerns that he has? Absolutely. Because yeah. uh, God, God, when he first introduced himself to Abram, said, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed through you. How? I don't even have one kid, he's saying. What ha- how's this going to happen? So what happens now? Next verse. Look, you are giving me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. So obviously this is telling us that Eleazar started out as the child of a slave of Abram, but got to the place where he could trust Eleazar with all of his household to the point where if you keep reading in Genesis, you'll find out that later on, Abram sends Eleazar to go get a wife for his son Isaac. You don't send somebody to go get a wife for your kid if you don't know who they are if you don't have a track record, you don't know what kind of person he's gonna bring home. And not only that, now you're stuck with this person because you're married to, married to your son, gonna eat your, she's gonna eat your food, she's gonna spend your money, she's gonna sit on your couch, she's gonna drive your car. You don't just send anybody, I mean, would you? Would you just send anybody to go find somebody to bring them back to your house? Do you understand what I'm saying? But he's saying, yeah, I got this guy, but you said, I'm gonna have a son, watch. This, this one shall not be your heir. This is what God says to him, why? Because now Abram is in the Genesis 15, four relationship. You see the stages? Yes. I hope you do, because you go read this for yourself. So now Abram's like, okay, let's talk. And, and God says to him, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come for your own body shall be your heir. Now stop there, stop there, go back. At this point, Abram's going, are you kidding me? I'm 75 years old. <laughs> if I couldn't produce one when I was 30, do I have to go into detail? <laughs> this is even a greater miracle. Yeah. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one should not be your, but the one is from your, your own body. Now, Abram's got, now, I didn't have enough to contend with. Now I got a deal in my head, how the heck is this one going to happen? Okay? Next verse. Then he, now watch this now. So now Abram has the freedom to speak to God. Now God has the freedom to impart more to Abram. This is how, look at at me. This is how it works even today. The more we surrender, the more we separate ourselves unto God, the more that we're studying his word, the more that we're in his face, the more that we're hanging out with him, the more that we're spending time with the Holy Spirit, letting him show us the heart of God, the more he can show us and the more we can speak to him. Then he brought him outside and said, look now. Why? What's going to happen here? Watch. Here's the principle. Whenever God shows you that he's going to do something in your life, and it's staggering, and usually it is, if God doesn't show you to do something that's impossible for you to do, it didn't come from God. Now, what does he do? He shows you the promise, and then he gives you something in the natural He'll speak the promise to you. Then he will give you something in the natural to inspire you to continue to believe for the promise. Amen. Watch this now. Then he, brought. Then he, God, brought him, Abram, outside and said, no, so this is nighttime. How do we know that? Look what happens. Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And Abram's thinking, I got enough to believe God for one. But know but what's happened now. So whenever the doubts would come, whenever, if I could submit this to you in a very nice way, whenever he realizes my body's not cooperating with me, okay, and my wife is way beyond age, okay, what would he do? All right, let me go outside and do what? Look at the stars. Look at the stars. God said, God said, if I could number all these, this is how many descendants I'm gonna have. And his voice is going, you're 75 years old. And he's going, look at the stars. God, God told me. God told me. Amen. When we were in Bible school, we became friends with a family. You may have heard me tell the story before. And they would invite us over to the house for dinner. They would come to our house for dinner. And almost every time he'd come, he would say to me the same thing. Now, we're in Bible school, right? So what are you going to do when you graduate Bible school? I said, I'm going back to New Jersey, start a church. Oh, huh. two months later. So what are you going to do when you graduate Bible school? I'm going back to New Jersey to start a church. Oh, this went on for two years. What are you gonna do when you get back to, to New, What are you gonna do when you graduate Bible school? I said to him, God didn't change His mind. He told me before I came to Bible school, I'm going back to New Jersey start a church in Brick, New Jersey. The Amen. name of it's going to be New Beginnings Christian Fellowship. That's what we started out with. Amen. Okay, it didn't, didn't change, but I recognized what was happening. I'm not saying the man was malicious and he meant to do this harm. But I recognize that's the voice of the enemy trying to yeah. doubt, what am I doing here? What am I doing here, making $5.75 an hour, working in a supermarket when I left my restaurant, left a deli back in New Jersey, where we were actually making some money. What am I, so, so I got four kids, I got a wife, four kids who like to eat. <laughs> so, those, so I had to contend with those things, right? God knew that Abram was gonna to have to contend the same way. What did he do? He gave him something to depend on, to look at in the natural that would, sh- that would remind him of the promise that God made. I know two of our children, two of our, t- our son and daughter, daughter-in-law, the uh, first one, they wanted to have children. It, it wasn't happening. And they sat here many years ago and heard me teach this, and on the way home, stopped at babies are us, and bought a boy's outfit and a girl's outfit and hung it in their bedroom. And whenever the thoughts would come, this isn't happening, my daughter-in-law would look and and she would thank God for the child that was coming. Okay, they overdid it because they ended up having four kids. Okay. (laughs) But you understand what I'm saying? God is a good God, and when he gives you a promise, he will give you something in the natural to attach that promise to, that that you can look at that thing and it will inspire you for the future. Are you listening? Take a step back for a minute and think about this in the Old Testament. Every prophecy that God gave Israel about their coming Messiah is written for them so that they could look at their promise when they doubted, and say, how could we... How, how, the Babylonians have destroyed the Babylonians destroyed the temple they took us and deported us to the other side of, of the world and, and the Romans came and the Greeks defiled it. every time they, they could look at those scriptures and understand he's coming Amen. he's coming he's coming This is how you and I need to live. We are called to a life of faith. We are called to a life of trusting God for what he said. Now, he's not obligated to bring to pass our whims that you might have that are outside of the word of God, but whatever he has covered within the word of God, he is obligated to bring to pass. Some of you don't like that word, obligated, but he obligated himself. At one point he said, I swear by myself because there's no other greater that I will bring these things to pass in your life. Why don't you give him the chance to be good to you? Why don't you give him the opportunity, the chance to bless you to the proportion, to, pro- to provide for you? And when I say provision, stop, stop bringing it down to the level of money. There are some of us that did not grow up in, lo- in families where there was love displayed. So in your case, he needs to provide you with an overwhelming amount of Love, so that you can take that resource of love that he's depositing in you, even though it might feel uncomfortable, you can draw from that provision of love and display love to others where normally you... You wouldn't give two blanks about it, okay? You understand what I'm talking about? How about if you grew up in a family where nobody forgave each other, where people held grudges for decades? What do you need now? You need to prosper in what area? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. So you need to learn that. You need to have an overwhelming amount of God's grace to be flowing not only to you, but through you, so that you can live this life free of the grudges that would put you in a place to invite the curse into your life rather than the blessing. There's some people where you, you live in family where it's just chronic illness from generation to generation to generation. And you have to deal with the thoughts, well, my grandfather died at this age with this kind of a situation. My father died at this age with this kind of a condition. Uh, I'm, probably gonna be, I'm probably gonna go the same way. You're limiting your life by doing that. <laughs> Number one, you, when you got born and you stepped out of the natural bloodline, you stepped into the supernatural <laughs> bloodline. Amen. very first thing that God did to Abraham, what did he do? Get away from your family. <laughs> <laughs> now, for some people, that's... Literal, literal, <laughs> literal. Some of you are like, I wish these kids would move out of the house. <laughs> There's a separation that takes place. Are you listening to me? Yes. Our, our place that we're at right now in our lives is we've, we've experienced the cross now. Thank God for the cross. Amen. Thank God, not only thank God for the cross because it changed history, but thank God for the cross because it gave us it put a dash in our lives. Like this is before the cross, this is after the cross. Amen. So, now, so now we're born again. We've received Christ. We have placed our faith in him. He is our Lord, he is our savior. We have submitted our, life, our lives to him. So what do we do now? Do we just sit here and wait for him to come or for our, take our last breath? No, no. That's why we've got 27 books on the end of the Bible. And what are they? Yeah, the book of Acts is, is mostly a history book. The book of Revelation is, is prophecy, but it's all based on the Old Testament promises that God made to Israel. But everything in between? It's all instruction. For what? To go from your John 3.16 relationship. Oh, this is good. I didn't get this in the first service. Hold on. I'm preaching my guts out today. I hope you're taking it. Listen, Abram had to go from the Genesis chapter 12 relationship and progress and proceed to the end of his life. He had to proceed from Abram, father, to Abraham, father of many nations. That wasn't just bestowed on him. He qualified for that. God knew he could trust him. I'll guarantee you, we get to heaven, you're gonna find out. Abram, well, we know for a fact Abram wasn't the first choice because if you read Genesis chapter 11 before Abraham really comes into his own, God really spoke to Abram's father first, Terah. Terah only made it not even halfway to the land of Canaan. He stopped there. Abram's with him. Sarah's with him. Lot's with him. Terah dies in Haran. He never makes it to Canaan. And what happens? God now moves to Abram, Terah's son, to pick up the baton and to keep going. So, now, what are we involved in here? We're involved in this. You got introduced, let's say, to God Almighty through your John 3 16 experience. For God so loved the world, come on, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. So, that was your introduction. He's introduced himself to you. You put your trust in Jesus, you qualified for that, right? You now, you stepped into John three sixteen. Now you had that initial born-again experience. That's it. Your spirit now is perfected in Christ. You're going to heaven. But there's only one problem. You're not in heaven yet. We're still living on this planet that's under a curse, okay? So now how are we going to live? How are we going to, just like Abram went to this land that he knew not. Here, now we're living in a land that we knew not before we got born again. All we knew was the, the land of being a sinner. Now we are now, according to the word, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How do, I, how do I progress from here? I've got to progress now. So now I go from, watch this now, I go from my salvation experience and go to what Jesus pointed to the disciples, what the next step was gonna be for them before he, left, before he left the earth to return to heaven. He said to them, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of my father, what is it? Next upgrade. Next upgrade. Oh, this is good. I didn't teach this at all before now. Next upgrade. What did he tell him? Stay in Jerusalem. Don't move. Don't say a word. Don't tell anybody. Don't even go buy an ice pop. Stay in your room until you receive the promise of my father, <laughs> which shall be unto you not many days from now. That was on the 40th day after the resurrection. He told him that. Ten days later, what happens? The Holy Spirit from God comes from heaven to dwell here, not to just come and go back, come and go back, come and go back. He's here to stay. And the disciples, the apostles, uh, again, together with altogether 120 individuals get this next upgrade. They go from salvation, experience with God, John 3:16 experience, okay? And what do they experience now? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Ghost. Not just having the Holy Ghost in them for salvation, but, but the Holy Spirit upon them. But you, should, when you, you should receive power, Acts chapter 1, when the Holy Spirit comes up on you, okay? And you shall be my witnesses. Upgrade, upgrade. And then what happens after that? We start learning more about our relationship with the Father, we start, set, we start becoming more and more sanctified. Okay, we start separating ourselves from the things in our life, because remember, you got born again in your spirit, but your soul is still tied to this world, your five senses, and we start now disconnecting from things that used to have control over our lives, little by little by little. Now, we're not doing our own strength, but we're doing according to the grace of God that's been provided for us, right? And as we depend on and lean on and press in, we receive more and more grace from God to be able to separate ourselves more and more from this world, and to separate ourselves not just from, but unto. Separate ourselves unto our Father in Heaven. So what happens then? Now we start experiencing the transformation. Our soul is starting to change. We're actually starting to act like what we preach. We start getting rid of unforgiveness. We start getting rid of bitterness. We start getting rid of foul language. We start getting rid of all this other stuff that Paul has to address in all those letters that were written to Christians. What are we doing? We're going from glory to glory by his presence. Are you you listening to me? So we need to get these things down pat. We need to understand who we are. But more importantly, you and I individually need to take an inventory and say, okay, where am I, Lord? Am I still at my John 3.16 experience with you? And not that that's bad. That's guaranteeing us heaven. But understand this. Salvation prepares us for heaven. The baptism of the Holy Spirit prepares us for earth. Because you can't live on this crazy planet without dependence on the Holy Spirit. You've heard me say this before. Somebody said, do you need... uh, Uh, the Holy Spirit to go to heaven, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. (laughs) (laughs) You need the Holy Spirit to go out of your house. You need the Holy Spirit to tell you in the morning. Any any of you ever had this experience where you may take the same route every day to go to work, and then one morning, you get this impression on the inside, don't go that way, or don't leave yet. Or, or something, uh, some kind of an obstacle gets put in your way and you perceive it as an obstacle and then you find out, had you not listened to that impression on the inside, you would have been involved in a major car accident right down the road. You need the Holy, we need the Holy Spirit for everything in our lives. Everything, everything. Why? Because that's what Jesus died to provide us with. Hallelujah. I didn't even get to touch finances yet. But I will say this, next week, next week, God willing, next week, we're gonna start heading in that direction. <laughs> but I wanna prep you with one thing, and then that's it, and then you have to leave, uh, because, and don't hang around the lobby too much, uh, because the Spanish service has to come in. And I don't want, I don't want the team for uh, Nueva Esperanza to be all stressed out, okay? But listen to me. Next week, we're gonna start delving into the book of Malachi. And when I heard that the first time, you understand, my first pastor was a Sicilian guy, very heavy accent. And he said, we're going to go to the study of the book of the first Italian prophet, Malachi. (laughs) Malachi. I thought that was his name. Well, I know. I just got born again. Malachi. The book of Malachi. Listen to me. If you know about the book of Malachi, you know where we're heading. But I want you to see the book of Malachi in a different light before we get to chapter 3. I want you to see chapter... Do we have time for this? Give me chapter 1 real quick. Malachi chapter 1. I want you to see what the book of Malachi is really about when we take it in context. Starting in verse 6, God speaking to the nation... Now watch it. Look at me, please. I know you've been... Thank you. You've been so good and cooperative. But listen to me. Don't miss it now. Okay. Malachi is the very last book of what we call the Old Testament. And it is extremely impactful. Why? Because this word from God has got to carry the nation of Israel for the next 400 years. Between Malachi and John the Baptist showing up on the scene is 400 years of stale religion. Nobody's got a fresh word. Nobody's experienced the presence of God. It's, it's, IT'S COMPLETELY UNHEARD OF. AND WE'RE SEEING WHY IN THE BOOK OF MALACHI. GOD SPEAKING TO THE NATION OF ISRAEL THROUGH THE PROPHET MALACHI SAYS THIS TO THEM, A SON HONORS HIS FATHER AND A SERVANT HIS MASTER. THEN IF I AM FATHER, WHERE'S MY HONOR? AND IF I AM MASTER, WHERE'S MY RESPECT? SAYS THE LORD OF HOSTS OR ARMIES TO YOU. THE PRIEST WHO DESPISE MY NAME. BUT YOU SAY, HOW HAVE WE DESPISED YOUR NAME? NEXT VERSE. YOU ARE PRESENTING DEFILED FOOD UPON THE ALTAR. THAT IS A NO-NO. THAT GOES ALL THE WAY BACK TO THE BOOK OF LEVITICUS. YOU DO NOT BRING DEFILED, DEFORMED, DISEASED, HALF CRIPPLE, BLIND, DEAF, ONE EYE. YOU DON'T BRING THOSE KIND OF SACRIFICES TO GOD ALMIGHTY. YOU BRING THE BEST YOU HAVE. But you say, how have we defiled you? In that you say the table of the Lord is to be despised. Keep going. And when you present a blind animal for sacrifice, is it not evil? Or when you present a lame or sick animal, is it not evil? Watch this now. Look what he says. Go give it to your governor. Go bring it to Phil Murphy's house. (laughs) Would he be pleased with you? Oh, would he receive you kindly, says the Lord of armies? What is he saying? Here's the introduction to the book of Malachi. Where is my honor? Where's my honor? Where's the respect that you're supposed to have for me as your father? Where is it? You bring me defiled things. You bring me animals that can't see, can't walk, half eaten go he said go bring it go bring what do we said go bring it to somebody natural see if they'll take your dead animals your deformed sacrifices you know we learned this lesson a long time ago when the offering comes in now i don't see names so don't worry about that but sometimes i'll see a whole stack of 1 dollar bills that are all crumpled you know what that is? That's a diseased animal. That's a blind animal. That's a crippled sacrifice. You just grab something out of your pocket, crumple it up and throw it in there like it's a used Kleenex. Where's the honor? Where's the respect? Where's the reverence? You earned that through God's grace. And then when it's time to honor Him, eh. And then you wonder why you can't pay your bills. And you wonder why things are not going Then you wonder why you feel stagnant. Then you wonder why. Jesus even went this far. When he told the disciples, be careful how you hear. Be careful, because the way you hear is going to be determined the way you receive. And when you come to church, you come with honor. I'm not talking about finances. I'm talking about attitude. You come with honor. Ah, when we get there, we get there. Eh, we only made it for one song in the worship part of the service. Eh, what is that? Crippled animal, blind animal, diseased animal? Should I, should I turn that way when I'm talking? I know, I know. We had four kids, too, that we had to get together and come to church. I understand that. It's better that you're here than not to be here. But, But, who said that? Thank you. But, think about this. Then you wonder why it takes you the first 20 minutes to get settled in the service. How about preparing ahead of time? How about preparing an atmosphere in the car on the way here? How about preparing an atmosphere at home? How about showing honor and reverence to God? Get all the kids' outfits together on Saturday night instead of uh, quarter to eight on Sunday morning. You, You see what I'm saying? Now, I'm telling this for you, not for me. All these little things matter. But we're going to see in the book of Malachi, first chapter is about honor in sacrifices and honor and the attitude of God's people towards God. In the second chapter, he talks about honor between husbands and wives. Oh, that's a, good, that's a good one. I don't even know if we have time for that one. And he says this. Now, this one I better turn around. To, to the people, all right, to, to those, especially men. Oh, I'm going to be in trouble today. Men that are divorced or separated or whatever—maybe you were never married—and all of a sudden now you start thinking, "I'm not—I'm not sending money. I'm not, i don't even know if that's my kid. I'm not sending money. I'm—I'm I'm cutting her off from my medical insurance. I'm doing this and doing that." God says, "Beware that you don't treat treacherously the wife of your youth." Beware—I've seen it over and over again, over and over again in divorce situations. now, Maybe they're good for the first three or four months. and after that, I'm not sending any more money. I'm not sending, I'm, well, she's got somebody else. That's not your business. Had nothing to do with it at that time. You're divorced. You take care of your kids. You honor your obligation. You honor your obligation. I don't care if you don't come back here again. You honor your obligation. You honor your obligation. And then in chapter 3, he starts talking about the tithe. And the whole book of Malachi is about Honor. Honor honor and we're going to see that tithing is about honor it's not about money it's about putting him first and about putting the first 10 percent of our increase whatever that is belongs to god that's it god bless you thank you for coming here today if you need prayer for anything come if not give your cupcake and leave